No experience as an FFA member? No problem. A career in agricultural education may still be right for you. Welcoming teachers with all experience level. That's today's topic on Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers. Welcome to Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers podcast. We share research-based tips and tackle the tough questions facing agriculture teachers every day. The Owl Pellets crew is Kate Shoulders from the University of Arkansas, Marshall Baker from North Carolina State University, Mike Ritalik from Iowa State University, and Brian Myers from the University of Florida. We are your agricultural education resource across the web. Adam Marks, thank you so much for being with us here today on Owl Pellets. We appreciate you being being with us. It's good to be back again. Yeah, I know. Let's, so let's we talk will, about this. Yeah, <laughs> confession is good for the soul. This is a this has been about a what like sixteen year process. <laughs> Adam wins the award for the most featured, most recorded. Well, not necessarily recorded. <laughs> least, Un- published, yeah. least published. Least um, published. Person we've had on Owl Pellets. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. He's got a lot to say. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. We just love to talk to you that much that we keep screwing it up so that we can do some more. You are, you are welcome. And, yeah. and all of the time, so what's happening is all of the time we do doing Owl Pellets, we've only had trouble with the recordings of two of our podcasts. Unfortunately, <laughs> both of those podcasts <laughs> were with Adam trying to do the same thing. But the good thing was, they were completely different screw-ups. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Yeah, it's not like we made the... Well, I say we. I'm using the royal we there. It's not like Brian made the same <laughs> mistake twice. He made two different mistakes. But we learned things like press the record button. Or, it's experiential well, when, learning when at its The fun. first time was you were traveling back from a student-teacher visit, and you didn't have good connection. Oh, my gosh. And I was trying to record and drive we. at the yeah. same time. Yeah. The royal we. I'm sorry for being so dedicated to my job. <laughs> <laughs> as your as your poor grad student slave was driving you around. The My country. grad student minion was driving me around, and I was like, "Drive on! I have work to do." <laughs> gotcha. Drive on. I, I forgot about that. I at least sat in the front with her. I mean, I did. <laughs> did. She wasn't feeding that's, you great. That's so noble of you. At least I was riding to the front with we her. We do have open assistantships at the University of Arkansas if anyone is interested in participating in that. But, but you got to be able to drive. <laughs> you do have to be yeah. able to drive. <laughs> they take the obtain a valid driver's license <laughs> on the uh, call seriously. Yep, I need a driver. <coughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> so why are we here? Are we, yeah, are we doing something here today productive? <laughs> yep, we're going to talk about why ag education is sexy. Sexy. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been waiting for this conversation. Mm-hmm. How so? <laughs> is this the third time you've had this conversation? Not in that, not not couched that way. I'm actually, I feel like I've never done this before, honestly. <laughs> I feel like I'm entering a totally new podcast. Well, okay, so how is it? We're not in Las Remember, Vegas. We're actually show. in Des Moines. So, it's a family um, show. So, uh, what, um, so I'm a teacher educator at North Dakota State University, and uh, one of the things that I was noticing with some of my undergrads, which I think probably each of you have experienced or have lived experience, Kate, um, is that I had some students uh, coming into the program who uh, were never FFA members, never took a high school ag, ag education class, um, and 
started seeing them in a, in a repeated uh, manner. Not that they shouldn't be included by any means, but I was starting to think, gosh, what drew you to ag education, right? Because um, as I think many, many of you teachers out there uh, can attest, uh, and you know, one of the things that we're doing through the Teach Ag campaign and stuff is is promoting from within in a lot of ways, right? You know, trying to model the things that, that uh, we want our future ag teachers to, to, to hold. But um, obviously that's not the only um, way to, to grow our teacher base is just from within. And so I just wanted to see what, what drew those students um, to, um, to the profession, to seeking to become an ag teacher without having that previous experience. And you're right, it is a, it's a pretty exclusive rabbit hole, and it's hard to find if you're not already in that rabbit hole, right? So, Mike, were you in high school ag ed? I was, yes. You were, and Brian, you were a high school ag ed person, kid, <laughs> person, at some point. Yeah. Yes, I was a child at one point. <laughs> and, you, <laughs> and you were in ag ed classes? I was, yes. Yes, and Adam? I was until my junior year. Okay, but you knew it existed, yep. right? I did not know what the FFA was until I heard it on that Dixie Chicks song. Mm-hmm. But I was like in. Um, so we have I the Dixie a, Chicks to credit with that's your probably like with your no. career decision. No, I was no. The Dixie Chicks were not how I got in, into it. But I, um, I was like they're t- you know both active in the FFA. Like I don't even I don't know what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's a hard rabbit trail to find. And then when you get into it, if you do stumble upon it, you look around and you get a bunch of like kind of weird looks and like ain't from around here right right so i wonder how many people see that kind of take a peek around and say boy i think this might be interesting take a peek around and be like no i don't think i fit here because all these people seem to know each other and know the language and i don't there's a lot of assumptions as to what people know about ag ed that to a large group like you're talking about, I mean, in the last couple of years, 50% of my incoming teacher ed folks have had no high school ag ed experience. Yeah. And so, yeah, yeah, like what is FFA? Well, what is FFA? What is SAE? Well, I think some of our, some of us have a tough time defining what SAE is at times, but True. nevertheless, like all of the all of the cultural things that we probably really take for granted. Um, it's it's much different than recruiting or recruiting students for to become math teachers or science right because everybody has taken a science class regardless right. everybody has taken math classes but you know for someone to choose a career path with which they have um, with the commitment that it requires to be a school based ag ed teacher in addition to all of the vernacular. Right. Yeah. Official um, dress. Yeah. I'd never seen anyone wear a corduroy jacket. I think where I didn't make fun of them before the FFA, and then suddenly you're to like be completely right. passionate about this, yeah. the traditions here sure. that you have not been involved in. Sure. Well, I think part of that too is we have to be careful because, you know, we think FFA and ag ed, school based ag ed is this big deal and everybody knows about it, but, you know, what FFA membership now is what six hundred thousand mm-hmm. something like that. We've probably got. 1.5 million people, students enrolled in school-based ag at a country country. And yes, 1.5 million is a big number, but we have more than 1.5 million, you know, students probably in Florida mm-hmm. total. If you look at everybody, no, right. that's, so yeah. it's, it's, we got to realize sometimes we're rounding error in the total education realm of things. And so how do we make sure that 
we are reaching out to folks so they can learn about what we're doing or feel better about learning about things when they when they do stumble upon us without thinking well we're a big deal you should you should know me sure well and so so when i started recognizing this i started talking to some colleagues amy smith at the university of minnesota and uh, Scott Smalley at Iowa State, and and I said, are you, are you seeing the same thing? Because I Scott was at South Dakota State at the time, but uh, you know, do you have do you have these students too? And so um, they did. And so what we decided to do was um, did some focus groups um, with those candidates just to get a better idea of what their experiences were, um, all, all with the primary mission of of being able to inform. The recruitment efforts that we have, because um, in case you didn't know, there's a teacher shortage. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I would assume that we've all heard about that everywhere, um, yeah. everywhere. and <laughs> and you know it's not it's not enough just to tackle um, a challenge like that in one way, right? We've right. got to because I, I also think that, and I approach this from, or we approach this study from the viewpoint that you know we can't just expect. Those of those of you in the profession, you high school ag teachers, to um, supply every single uh, candidate and fill the shortage, and like that's it's just not it's not reasonable to think that way, right? We need to also think in diverse ways on how we get um, young people seeking out this profession, and, um, and and so at any rate, that that was you know kind of the impetus behind behind what we did. And, and those are the things that we we concluded, right? Um, the the cool thing was is some of the experiences, um, and, and many of you out there might share these same things. But uh, you know, there were students that um, they were in 4-H, right? So they were from a rural community, but that school didn't have an ag program, um, and they they loved the idea of teaching people about agriculture. But maybe extension wasn't wasn't exactly how they wanted to, to do that because they had a passion to be a teacher. Um, others uh, helped start an ag ed program at their, at their schools and said, I want, this is what I want to do. Um, others were, uh, worked for um, like SNAP education programs uh, in the greater Minneapolis area and uh, stumbled upon, like were basically Google searching like food education and all of a sudden, you know, they found that um, one one young man in the in the study. He said, uh, uh, "I wanted to be a science teacher. I thought I wanted to be a chemistry teacher, and I loved chemistry, but chemistry did not love me." Yeah. And uh, you know, and I think Preach we find it. we find that we find that a lot of a lot of them, um, you know, ag ed wasn't their initial career choice. It wasn't my initial career choice. Yeah. Um, and uh, but they found their way there through um, being purposeful about um, the the thing that they wanted to do as a career. So I think I think that's really interesting to see about you know it's we've talked a lot of we've had a lot of podcasts recently about certification. How do you get to become an ag teacher? And regardless of how you got here, we're all on the same team. We're all the same family. How do we support each other Absolutely. to go from here? The other thing that, that I don't think was part of your study, but as I'm hearing. All of this, I can't help but think about a lot of Kate's work on teacher identity and professional identity. Sure. How does that change somebody that didn't even know 
school-based ag ed ever they existed their identity once they become a teacher or their identity once they're in mm-hmm. the a pre-service program or some sort of certification program to do all that and then what can we do as that larger team ag ed support them to make sure they're they're being successful in, in what they're in learning where they're going but also we can't have this idea that just those of us that were traditionally certified or come from a more traditional path to ag teaching well, I've got to teach these people everything they need to know. They've got a lot to learn as well. And mm-hmm. I, it pains me to admit that Kate has a lot to teach me. I have to learn mm-hmm. from her, apparently. That's I, that's true. I feel <laughs> for a minute there, I thought, like, are we designing a study right here? <laughs> that's yeah. really, that's a, it's a really cool idea. Yeah. Um, there are things I heard a lot as I was coming through this, so I did not have any kind of uh, high school ag background. And um, I heard a lot from my pre-service as I was going through the program my teachers my instructors at the university they would say like yeah but the the really cool part about you is that you're a blank slate I don't have to unteach you the stuff your ag teacher taught you that you now think is gospel Mm -hmm. right so and and I see that in our programs you know and when I tell someone that the three circle model should be you know like this should reflect your community's needs and interests I don't have to deal with someone saying, yeah, but I'm going to do these three FFA contests and nothing else because we did really well in that when I was a kid and it was such a positive experience right. for me. So there is some benefit to that. That yeah. Sure. And we, you know, I, I did this, do the same thing quite often, kind of jokingly to disarm those students because they, they, they come in and they're apologetic mm-hmm. that right. I don't have an ag background or I've never been part of an FFA program. And so we jokingly say... It's great. You haven't picked up the bad habits. So what? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, and I and I think certainly over some of the other podcasts that we've talked about, um, this is our chance for them to ask questions, um, influence our culture, and have us to start thinking about how we need to do things differently in order to, um, you know, make this a, a great career and, and life lifestyle choice for uh, for other teachers because. Some of us get in so ingrained into what we're doing and, and trying to do sure. all things for all, all of our students that it, it gets to be a challenge, and, and I think they can bring a different perspective and start asking why. Well, I, well, I was going to say, I, and I think that as we look as we look ahead into the future of what school-based ag ed is, right, it's, it's um, yes, we hope to see, and in North Dakota we're seeing some of our small rural communities adding programs um, that where they don't presently exist, which is awesome. But... You know, the, the growth of student engagement in school-based ag ed is really going to come from our suburban and urban areas, of which we don't have a lot of in North Dakota. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it's going to – and so finding some of these, these young people who have a, for lack of a better term, non-traditional um, right. approach, experience to ag education is how – we're going to get those people to go into those urban and suburban areas and teach uh, school-based ag ed. So, and that's where we're going to pick up our workforce. Yeah, and absolutely. We have to, I'll get the. I don't have the figures exactly right, but I think the top 15 of the 350 school districts in Iowa have 50 percent of the student enrollment. Sure. So you think about that, wow. and that's not going to change. And if you're not, right. if you're yeah. not in there in those districts and having an impact. You're you're spending a lot of time on on a small percentage of the student body. Absolutely. Wow. What's interesting too, we talked about this a little bit. They they, they come in as, as this blank slate with this. They have a wealth of experience, but they can ask these questions. And as you're talking about SAE, 
I can still remember having, you know, I won't say full out arguments, but but discussions with students because SAE, what's this? You know, what do we got to have this? What's got to be just a, just a market pig or whatever else? Right. But yet having these students with, without that ever the experience come through and you explain to them why we do SAE and the purpose of it. They're the ones that get almost just excited and, and really think that that is so cool. I wish I'd have had that. Right. Yeah, and they, I, and, and have the and, same conversation. And they see Absolutely. the value of SAE. And so it, it's one of those things, again, not, not having the bad habits. I would say in many cases, folks that don't have the FFA background as a, as a high school student or middle school student probably do a better job oftentimes with what we at least say in the three-circle model is our core because they haven't gone through and been tainted by, oh, you got to win – 14 FFA contests and do everything else that right. had to happen. So it's, it's kind of interesting. How do we, how do we as a, as a larger profession tap into that experience, that that viewpoint at the same time trying to get them sure. into into the system and feeling comfortable as well. Well, and so some of the things that that you know to kind of get to that a little bit. Some of the things that um, we've been trying to implement in our state is um, you know distributing the teach ag materials out to our extension agents. Um, I have presented at our fall extension conference in North Dakota, um, uh, especially on the youth development side of things, um, but trying to speak to the larger um, uh, agent audience and educator, extension educator audience there uh, and, and encouraging them to, because some of them are facilitating some ag in the classroom things and they're, yeah. they're going out and doing things, a lot of things in the community and making especially in those pockets of our state where we don't have uh, ag education or, you know, a lot of ag education programs. Um, again, those, those educators are working with youth uh, in, a, in an influential way too. Um, so trying to do some of those types of things um, and also uh, uh, just working with my current undergrads um, and spreading, kind of spreading the word across... Um, uh, the College of Agriculture and, and so forth, and getting getting those people to think about the possibility of of, uh, of an ag education, and furthermore, doing some of the things with our with our high school ag teachers and saying, hey, you know, not every kid in the high school is in your program, right. but that doesn't mean you can't have some sort of career influence. You know, there were plenty of kids that I grew up with that didn't have um, an opportunity to. Uh, be an ag because of sports or whatever, yeah. but they may have lived on a farm and they may make one heck of a teacher someday. Right. Well, we're seeing a lot of things here. Case in point with this, there's a large, so Florida, we have, we have county-based school districts, so six or seven counties, six or seven school districts. One of our large, urban, very uh, faint, you know, probably one of our more famous counties and areas in Florida, there might be a big mouse that lives there, but not to mention names. Um, they have committed to opening up an ag program in every high school in that county and working now to open one in every middle school in that county. Awesome. They hired the first batch of high school teachers this year. The vast majority of them were not traditionally certified, and the, most of them did not have an FFA or ag background. Sure. And so we're seeing this, and what are we going to do to help them be successful to make sure they're doing something good to the students? So this is a problem, or not a problem, this is a challenge we're all going to be facing. And if we're going to meet this teacher demand, we're going to have to expand the pool from which we're recruiting teachers and then also working to make sure that on our own campuses, we're working with other students, other majors to find out, hey, you can actually teach vet assisting or you can actually teach these sort of things. Yeah. I'd like to add one kind of closing comment mm -hmm. for our teachers. So thinking about that 
kind of scenario, a bunch of new teachers that are maybe alternatively certified that don't have ag experience or ag ed experience, um, there is the opportunity there or the risk for for ag ed to lose some of its very valuable traditions if people don't invite them in and welcome them and show them why they're valuable. Absolutely. If you had asked me, you know, in the, the maybe my first year of teaching why official dress is so important, I could not have told you. And if someone had, if I had been in the lead, right, and someone had said, hey, we think, we're thinking about throwing out official dress, what do you think? And I, I would have said, yeah, sure, I think this is ridiculous. The kids are really uncomfortable. <laughs> um, but if you asked me now, Absolutely not. That's a tradition that instills a lot of value in our students. And Identity so, and everything, yeah. teachers, if you have either the, if you are a, te- a, a teacher or thinking about becoming a teacher that has um, that doesn't have that that experience, ask other teachers to to share those with you. At, you know, don't be afraid to say. What's the deal with this official dresser? Why on earth are at convention are they all standing up and saying like the same thing? What is going on here? And and ask what that tradition is so that you can sort of absorb some of those values and, and really see what the what the history of the organization is. Similarly, if you're a teacher and you're looking around and you're seeing somebody like where I was and you look around like big eyes and you suddenly think that maybe you entered a cult at your first national <laughs> FFA convention, yeah. like uh, you know, welcome them in and, and try to take them a little bit under your wing as far as explaining some of those traditions and where the value is so that they can then be one of the advocates for those pieces of our programs that um, that may be lost on someone just taking a peek or just initially coming in. And I, and I hope that uh, those conversations and those types of things are being planned by state ag teacher associations and State leadership leadership so that uh, we're having a broader conversation about that. One of the things important, as you you mentioned, Kate, and we're having those conversations, but it's like when people that are are on the inside, quote-unquote, when somebody asks, why did we do official dress? Why are we this opening ceremony thing? Why do we do all that? The answer can't be, well, just we've always done that. Exactly. I mean, those other folks are like, you know what? I don't know why we do this. Let's think about it and be able to really think about what's the value to having some sort of identity? What's the value to keeping some traditions? What's the value to having some structure to these things? Right. And I think, it's, I think it's a good exercise for those of us that kind of grew up in the system to think, why do we do yeah. these things? Right. And really know the purpose because there's a lot of really great things that are in there, even in the opening and closing ceremonies. I know when I taught our intro class in Ag Ed, we would go through the opening and closing ceremonies and each one of those parts, like, why were they put in there? Yeah. And, and it's more than just to have something for everybody to say. There's there's actual purpose sure. behind sure. each one of those things and to understand those traditions. So Yeah, we've well, seen that with official dress, too, where we've seen some changes with official dress. And it's hard to know whether or not you're okay with those changes if you don't have a solid understanding of why you think it's valuable as opposed to just, well, we've always done it that way, so we can't change it. Well, we can make some changes that still align with the values of why that was initially put into place. Well, we in ag education have, you know, lots of wicked problems in a world sense to, to, to tackle. But, I, you know, one of the biggest, the wickedest problem that we're facing and is, is, is the growth uh, of our teachers. And it takes, we're a family. We need to make sure that it, uh, we're, we're all in this together. So it takes uh, welcoming in uh, all kinds and yep. people of all backgrounds. So Fantastic. Well, Adam Marks, North Dakota State University, thank you so much, number one, for your patience with us. 
it looks like the technology worked this time. I don't think I screwed it up until I we'll go home it. and delete the file. We'll get it right one minute. Uh, if it doesn't work this time, I'm going to assume that you're like radioactive or <laughs> Satan or something and like yeah. maybe we shouldn't record you yeah, on the podcast. I probably should uh, have a meet, a meet with a priest. <laughs> All right, if you all got any questions about this, look up Adam online, connect with him. He's got some great stuff happening up there. His information will be on the infographic. Uh, Adam, thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Had a great conversation. Thanks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Owl Pellets. Please visit our webpage for more information on this topic and to learn more about all of our guests. Be sure to follow Owl Pellets on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It would also be great for you to subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an episode. Also, we ask that you please take a moment and comment on our podcast so others can find it as well. So for Kate, Marshall, and Mike, this is Brian here by the Owl Pellets saying thank you, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of Owl Pellets, Tips for Ag Teachers.